Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. Since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated with the death zone. No, that is not some zombie movie. I actually don't like zombie movies or horror movies or any kind of scary movies. Just give me an action movie or an inspirational sports movie or even a comedy. Kind of just pretty much anything that's not a zombie movie. So the death zone is actually a term used by mountain climbers. And in mountaineering, the death zone refers to altitudes above 26,000 feet where the pressure of oxygen is insufficient to sustain human life for an extended time span. And there are 14 mountains in the world that are 26,000 feet or higher, and all of them are in the Himalayas. And as soon as a mountain climber goes above 26,000 feet, their body starts to die. And Mount Everest is 29,031 feet tall. And so someone climbing Mount Everest is going to be in the death zone for 3,000 feet straight up. And since, ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated by Mount Everest and by why people would choose to do that to themselves, those extreme conditions, climbing into an area where you need bottled oxygen just to survive, where you take one step and then you have to take five breaths and just to catch your breath, and then you take another step and you do that for 3,000 feet. Even today, 70 years later, since the first summit of Everest, it is still considered one of the greatest feats of physical endurance to stand on the summit of Mount Everest. So on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, I'm going to share with you five leadership lessons from the top of Mount Everest. So you might be saying, Mark, I run an independent school. I won't be climbing any mountains anytime soon. Okay, So just stay with me, and I promise I will deliver some leadership lessons and tell you how to apply them at your independent school. So five leadership lessons from the top of Mount Everest on today's episode. But just one quick story, if you'll indulge me, before we get into the content. So I told you that I was fascinated with Mount Everest as a kid. And in November of 1998, I was about seven years into being a principal at my first school. And we were on a field trip. We took our high school to the local science center and they have an IMAX movie uh, theater. And on that day in November of 98, the movie Everest was premiering in IMAX format. And on the day that we were there, Sir Edmund Hillary, the first man to climb Mount Everest, he was there that day to give a speech and to open the uh, premiere of the Everest IMAX movie. And I had no idea he was going to be there. I knew all about Sir Edmund Hillary. I told you I was interested in Mount Everest as a kid. And so when I saw that he was there, I went to the gift shop, bought a poster of Everest, went and found Sir Edmund Hillary, introduced myself, got him to sign it. And it's actually still hanging in my office to this day. And he, Sir Edmund Hillary, gave a lecture and I was on the edge of my seat. And he described how he and a Sherpa named Tenzing Norgay stood on top of the highest peak in the world on May 29th, 1953. And a Sherpa 
is someone that lives in Nepal, is uh, acclimatized to those high elevations, and Sherpas are incredibly important to people who come to climb Mount Everest. And so Tenzing Norgay and Sredman Hillary were the first to climb Mount Everest on May 29, 1953. And I bring up Tenzing Norgay because our first quote is from him. So, quote number one, you do not climb a mountain like Everest by trying to race ahead on your own or by competing with your comrades. You do it carefully and slowly by unselfish teamwork, for that is the mountain way. Tenzing Norgay. So he is saying that you don't just race ahead by yourself. It's not a competition. You go carefully and slowly. There's teamwork and he calls it the mountain way. And I've read a lot on this phrase, the mountain way. And our leadership lesson from this quote, leadership lesson number one, is your teachers need to see very clearly that they are part of something bigger than themselves. Your teachers need to see very clearly that they are part of something bigger than themselves. All right. So here's what I'm getting at. The mountain way that Norgay is talking about. It took nearly 400 people to get Tenzing Norgay and Sredman Hillary to the top of Mount Everest. And that started with porters who started about 100 miles away with 75-pound packs of supplies on their backs, walking across footbridges, hiking all the way to the base of Mount Everest all those supplies. In 1953, they weren't bringing them in in executive helicopters and all kinds of other things. They were walking in the supplies. Then you set up base camp, and there are people who their only job is to supply base camp and to cook and to make sure all the oxygen tanks are working. And those people never even come close to the summit of Mount Everest. And then there's higher altitude camps, um, some climbers use as many as six different camps, starting with base camp all the way up to camp six, which is just below the death zone. So all of these people and all of them working together, going up, climbing up, setting up a camp, climbing back down, all these different things, just so that when they got to the top, there were actually two different climbing teams. There was a British climber and a Sherpa who they, they tried, they tried to get up there and they got pretty close and then they turned back. And then the next morning the weather was a little better and it was Norgay and Hillary's turn and they climbed and they made it to the summit. And here's the thing. There are over 300 people who've died climbing Mount Everest and most of them, their bodies are still on that mountain. And the expeditions, especially the ones early on, they started trying to climb Mount Everest in 1924. They, some of them that were just rugged individualists that just wanted to go on and get the credit and get there first and didn't really carefully plan it out and use lots of teamwork, they are the ones that run successful and many of those people died. And so back to the quote from Tenzing Norgay, you do not climb a mountain like Everest by trying to race ahead on your own or by competing with your comrades, you do it carefully and slowly, by unselfish teamwork, for that is the mountain way. And I said the leadership lesson is your teachers need to see very clearly they are part of something bigger than themselves. Well, what is that thing? All right, I want you as the leader of your school 
to paint a vivid picture for your teachers as to what is the summit. What is that crowning moment, that accomplishment, the end result? And for many of you, it's graduation day. And so in our school, my current school, we go up to eighth grade. My former school where I was head of school for 21 years, we went up to 12th grade. But in our school, um, we have a portrait of a graduate. Um, and for us, it's we want our students, I tell this to parents all the time, again, vivid language. I said, I want you to imagine your child, the last day of eighth grade, standing up on the stage, getting their diploma. And in one hand, they have their diploma. And the other hand, they have this little suitcase. And in that suitcase are four skills that travel well to high school. And they are, number one, we want your child to be an independent learner. Number two, a critical thinking problem solver. Number three, organized time manager. And number four, a leader with integrity, or at our Jewish day school, a menshi leader is what we call it. And those travel well to high school and they'll be successful no matter where they go if they have those four things in their suitcase. So that's a vivid picture of them standing up there. And so what is the summit? What is the end goal? And when I say portrait of a graduate, it's a very specific set of character traits and skills that you want your graduates to have before they go out into the world and leave your school. And here's the key. Everyone wants to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. Everyone works harder when they see the big picture. And so every person plays a role. The pre-K teacher plays a role in that 12th grader graduating. The custodian, the office staff, the bus driver, the kitchen staff, the third grade teacher, the 11th grade AP history teacher. Everyone plays a role. And it's your job as the leader to cast that vision with vivid language so that everyone sees that they play a part in getting your students to the summit. Now, if you're a pre-K teacher and you go up to 12th grade, you're, you might not even have had that student or you might have had that student you know, 14 years prior and you feel like, well, what did I really contribute to that? Everybody contributes. Do you think that the people at the top of the mountain are overthinking who packed up the tent down in the base camp or who triple checked that the oxygen tanks were working? Well, maybe they don't give that a whole lot of thought, but it's super, super important. And so everyone plays a role, big or small, to get your students to the top of the mountain, to the summit. So maybe it's not mountain climbing at your school, but it is your responsibility to paint that vivid picture and to make everyone realize that they are part of something bigger than themselves. All right, quote number two. This is from Allison Levine. I'll tell you about her in a moment, but Allison Levine said, the summit is not the goal. The goal is to come down alive with all of your fingers and toes. So Allison Levine said, the summit is not the goal. The goal is to come down alive with all your fingers and toes. And the leadership lesson number two is to get super clear on your goals so that you can make better decisions when you are stressed out. Get super clear on your goals so that you can make better decisions when you're stressed out. So Allison Levine, she is one of less than 40 people on earth who have completed the Adventure Grand Slam. And that means she's climbed the highest summit on all seven continents, the seven summits, and she skied to the North Pole and the South Pole. Those nine things make up the Adventure Grand Slam. Less than 40 people on earth have accomplished that. But Allison Levine, when she was a child, she had three surgeries to fix the hole in her heart. 
And even as an adult, she had a chronic condition that caused poor circulation in her extremities and made her extremely susceptible to frostbite. So why on earth would someone want to climb mountains and go to the North Pole and the South Pole if they were susceptible to frostbite? But there's, we can't really understand some of these people, but um, we can admire their accomplishments. So anyways, Alison Levine, the reason that it, her story is a little bit important as it relates to this quote is because of what I'm about to tell you. So in 2002, Alison Levine had climbed six of the continents, the summits on the six continents, and all she needed was Everest would be the seventh. And she was appointed as the leader of an all-woman American expedition in 2002 to climb Everest. All-woman expedition. There was all kinds of media attention. There were all kinds of sponsors. There was a lot of pressure to get to the top. Lots of attention. And her and her team were there for two months. You climb up. You get acclimatized. You climb back down. You climb up a little bit further. You climb back down. All of this two months on the mountain. And they finally climbed all the way up to the camp just below the death zone, 3,000 feet to the top. And when they got up early, early in the morning, it was still dark. This is the day they're going to go for the summit. They saw some weather start moving in. And so they're going, they're going, they're going. They're trying to get closer, trying to get closer. She and her um, fellow female climbers, they got 200 feet from the summit. They could actually see the summit of Mount Everest. And she made the decision as the leader, that incredibly difficult decision, that they needed to turn around and go back down because the weather was moving in. And even that 200 feet up and that 200 feet back, the amount of time it would take, they might get trapped up there and they might die. And remember, she said that the summit is not the goal. The goal is to come down alive with all of your fingers and toes. So what's, how do we apply this leadership lesson to our schools? Well, here's the thing. She was under so much pressure that it would be seen as a failure if they didn't make it to the top. And they got so close. They could see the summit. Come on, let's just go a little bit further. Let's just do it. But she was super clear on her goal that the summit is not the goal. The goal is to come down alive with all your fingers and toes. Well, in that moment, the decision was difficult, but it was much easier to make because she was super clear on her goals. So what about you as a private school leader? You're stressed out at a board meeting, or you're really stressed out because you're in a parent meeting, um, and you're trying to decide on when you're under a great deal of stress, should I suspend this child or expel this child? Should I say yes to this parent's request or no? Do we spend the money on this or not? And any other of the hundreds of decisions that you make every single day. But if you're super clear on your goals, if you're super clear on your mission of your school, and if you want to maintain that integrity, then your decisions will not be situational. Because if her decision was situational, and she thought about the pressure and the shame of this all-woman team expedition and the media attention of not getting to the top, she would have pushed it and tried, and they might not have lived. And so for you, maybe the stakes aren't as high as life and death, but the stakes are still pretty high. And so the leadership lesson from quote number two is get super clear on your goals so that it's easier to make a decision when you are stressed out. All right, we're going to go on to quote number three, and this is from Junko Tabe. 
Junko Tabe is the first woman to climb Mount Everest in 1975. So Junko Tabe says, Technique and ability alone do not get you to the top. It is the willpower that is the most important. This willpower you cannot buy with money or be given by others. It rises from your heart. And leadership lesson number three is your leadership skills will only take you so far. What will take you the rest of the way comes from your heart. Again, your leadership skills will only take you so far. What will take you the rest of the way comes from your heart. So let's face it. What we do is emotional work. Emotional work takes an emotional toll. And just like you get, if you've not gotten enough sleep for a few days in a row or when you're in college, you had to pull an all-nighter, there is a cumulative effect of sleep deprivation. And I strongly believe that there's a cumulative effect of emotional drain on you as a private school leader. And so if we're going to do emotional work and if our leadership skills will only take us so far and the rest of the way we have to do from our heart, from our passion, from on the inside, well then where does that come from? How do we do that? Well, I want to take you back for a moment to episode one of this podcast. And I talked about throwing some starfish as my compelling reason why I do what I do. And every day at the top of my task list, I write the date and then I write the phrase throwing starfish. You probably know the starfish story. I'll just tell it quickly. A man was walking along the beach one day and off in the distance, he saw a boy. Couldn't quite tell what the boy was doing, but as he got closer, he could see that the boy was throwing things into the ocean. And he saw that there were starfish all over the beach for as far as he could see in either direction. And so he walks up to the boy and he says, what are you doing? And the boy says, well, it's low tide. The sun is coming up. And if I don't throw these starfish back into the ocean, they'll die. And the man looked up and down the beach and said, there are thousands of starfish on thousands and thousands of yards of beach, how could you possibly make a difference? And the little boy bent down, picked up a starfish and threw it into the ocean and said, it made a difference to that one. So that's my compelling reason why. Throwing starfish, that's what I do every day. And that starfish could be a sixth grade girl that's really scared on the first day of school to start middle school and just needs a little extra TLC or attention or encouragement. It could be me stopping by a teacher's room and asking, how did your mom's surgery go? It could be a parent who's really stressed out that their child is not going to be ready for freshman year of high school and just helping them feel heard and feel seen. And just all day long, it's starfish for me. And so that's my compelling reason why to do the hard things that I do with my job. But what about you? I really believe, like we heard in the quote that our leadership skills only take us so far and the rest comes from the heart that we need a compelling reason why we do what we do and we need to be reminded of it every day. And so I'm going to link a TED talk that I also linked in episode one. I'll link it in the show notes. You can find those at the private school slash episode 14. It's by Simon Sinek and it's called how great leaders inspire change. And it will help you get clear on how to choose a compelling why for what you do as a private school leader. So um, my 
um, hope for you would be that you would recognize that leadership skill will take us far, but only so far, and the rest has to come from the heart. And there's a cumulative emotional drain on us, and we have to have something that connects with us emotionally that's our compelling reason why we do what we do, and I want to help you get clear on that. Okay, quote number four. This is from Eric Weyenmayer. And Eric Weyenmayer was the first blind person to summit Mount Everest. And he said, success is not just the crowning moment, the spiking of the ball in the end zone, or the raising of the flag on the summit. It is the whole process of reaching for a goal. And sometimes it begins with failure. And leadership lesson number four is becoming a better leader is a process and it is okay to fail. Now, in his book, uh, John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, one of his laws is the law of the process. And I'll link that book in the show notes. But in the law of the process, it, uh, I'll just quote John Maxwell a couple of times here. He says, being put in charge is not the same as being a leader. Merely managing a team is not enough to morph you into a leader that people will follow. It's an ongoing cycle that requires you to put in the work every single day. And you know that. And you put in that work every single day. But it's a process. And it also has to do with our growth and an intentional plan for us to grow as a leader. And John Maxwell also says, leadership is learned daily, not in a day. There is no instant solution that will make you a great leader. You need to work on it every day by making personal development a part of your daily routine, end quote. So again, the law of the process, um, Eric Weinhammer says, uh, Eric Weinmayer, excuse me, says that it's a process for reaching the goal, but he also says sometimes it begins with failure. And that's kind of the second lesson here is, is that as a young leader, I was afraid of failure. I wanted to get it right every single time. I didn't want the board to be disappointed in me. I didn't want my teachers to second guess me or doubt me. And so I was just really afraid of failure and that influenced my leadership. And so what we're going to learn from this quote and from this leadership lesson is, is that, that we need to be able to see leadership as a process, that it's learned daily, but not in a day. There's no instant solution and that we're going to have a plan for our own personal development and that we're also going to accept that failure is part of this process. And that brings us to the fifth and final quote. And I saved Sir Edmund Hillary for last, the first person to step onto the summit of Mount Everest. And in quote number five, Sir Edmund Hillary says, while on top of Everest, I looked across the valley towards the great peak Makulu and mentally worked out a route about how it could be climbed. It showed me that even though I was standing on top of the world, it wasn't the end of everything. I was still looking beyond to other interesting challenges. And I remember Sir Edmund Hillary talking about that in his speech at the Science Center that day back in 1998, how when he was on the summit, he was looking across the valley and looking at a different mountain that he had not yet climbed, and he was mentally working out a route to climb that mountain. So leadership lesson number five is we should always be seeing farther than everyone else. We should always be seeing farther than everyone else. Now listen, I know that the tyranny of the urgent limits our vision. We know that fight or flight, that it actually narrows our focus and we can't see peripherally, that we can only see what's right in front of our nose. And as leaders, we 
have to see the whole picture. And so my daughters like to go um, every couple of years. They love fall. And we go to this place uh, about a half an hour from our home that has this giant corn maze. And I'm in there and I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just walking around. And, but I, I think about it as if I had a drone and I had the drone view of that corn maze, then it would be much easier to navigate and get from the start to the finish of the corn maze. And I want you to think about it that that's how we need to be with our schools. Instead of just focused on what's on our desk, what's on our computer screen, what's happening right in front of us with that parent or that teacher, of course we're giving them our, our undivided attention. But we need to zoom out. We need to have that drone view and see farther than anyone else at the school. That's our responsibility. There's a man named Leroy Imes that uh, he, he said, a leader is one who sees more than others see, who sees farther than others see, and sees before others do. And so that sounds like a lot of pressure, but as leaders, we need to see the big picture and we need to see it clearly and we need to see it before others see it and be proactive. So um, the way that I w- would suggest that you apply that is to schedule at least 30 minutes a week when you're working on something that will happen more than one year into the future. Like I said, our lives are dictated by the tyranny of the urgent, but if we can be disciplined and schedule at least 30 minutes a week where you're working on something that will happen more than one year in the future, then you are learning from this quote from Sir Edmund Hillary about him mapping out that climb while he was standing on Everest And as a leader, we should always be seeing farther than everyone else. All right. So our big takeaways from today's episode. Quote number one from Tenzing Norgay was about the mountain way. And leadership lesson number one is your teachers need to see very clearly they are part of something bigger than themselves. Use vivid language to talk to your teachers about how they are part of something. And that big thing that they're part of is getting your students to the summit. And you need to decide what that is, what that looks like, be able to articulate it, and then get your teachers to see that they are all part of it. And then quote number two, and leadership lesson number two, Allison Levine said, the summit is not the goal. The goal is to come down alive with all your fingers and toes. And the lesson from that is to get super clear on your goals so that you can make better decisions when you're stressed out. Because we know that sometimes our integrity gets compromised and we make poor decisions when we're under a lot of stress. And then quote number three, uh, Junko Tabe, the first woman to climb Everest, she said that technique and ability alone will not get you to the top and that uh, willpower is something you can't buy, but it rises from your heart. And the leadership lesson from that is your leadership skills will only take you so far and what will take you the rest of the way comes from within. And my suggestion was for you to check out the TED Talk in the show notes and to get super clear on your compelling reason why you do what you do, and then write it every day at the top of your task list. And then quote number four um, from Eric Weinmayer, the first blind person to summit Mount Everest, was he talked about the whole process of reaching for a goal, and sometimes it begins with failure, that it's not just getting to the summit, but it's the process. And leadership lesson number four is becoming A better leader is a process and it is okay to fail. And I talked about how improving ourselves as leaders needs to be part 
of our weekly routine, something to help us grow as leaders. And then finally, quote number five from Sredman Hillary about how he was mapping out the peak Makalu to um, how to climb it, even while he was standing on the top of Mount Everest, is that leaders should always be seeing farther than everyone else. And just try to zoom out and have that view of your school where it's like the drone um, flying above the corn maze because we can't get focused on only what's in front of us. We have to see the big picture as well. And I always like to give a call to action. And the call to action is something I've already mentioned twice. And that is just go to the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 14. Check out Simon Sinek's TED Talk. Come up, think, um, just give it some time to really um, think about your compelling reason why, and then write it at the top of your task list so that you will see it every single day. All right, let's wrap it up. So I hope you got value from this episode. This podcast exists to help you thrive and not just survive as you serve your students at your school. And I want you to also know that I have created a page of free resources for you at theprivateschoolleader.com slash resources. There are plug and play PDs on um, teacher communication, teacher parent communication. There's one on the seven habits of highly effective teachers and also one on how to implement growth mindset at your school. And you can use those as a plug and play PD with your staff and their guided notes and there are also um, discussion questions, and there are other things on that resources page as well. Top 10 lists of leadership books, productivity books, top 10 TED Talks, um, a six-page PDF about um, how uh, every uh, six things that every private school teacher wants from their leader. So again, check out theprivateschoolleader.com slash resources. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. I'm on Instagram at the private school leader on Twitter at the PS leader. And if you got value from this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with other leaders in your life. And I really appreciate you taking some of your precious time to be with me today. And I will see you next time on the private school leader podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first lead second, and make a difference.